Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day. Lots to talk about today. We have the crop planting numbers and crop condition numbers uh, from yesterday to talk about. We're going to talk with Rich Morrison, Senior Risk Analyst for Diversified Services Marketing Group, and uh, he'll join us to uh, talk about those numbers and the prevent plant acres and uh, market reaction and what he sees moving through this summertime. We'll take a look at some of those uh, numbers from around the country. Overall, of course, 83% of the corn crop planted, 60% of the bean crop planted, and uh, some of those states, key states, are still lagging way behind. We'll be talking about that on the program today. Also, we'll check in with the National Pork Producers Council about that EPA rule that's done now exempting livestock farms from reporting to state and local authorities uh, about the emissions from their farms. We'll talk about the significance of that rule. And also, we'll talk with an attorney with OFW Law. We'll talk about that recent court ruling, big WOTUS ruling, and what it means moving forward for getting a new Waters of the U.S. rule. But we'll start things off with the news with Todd Neely from DTN. And, Todd, it'll be a big day in Iowa with the president coming in to talk about ethanol. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Mike. Um, yeah, President Trump is uh, coming to Southwest Iowa Renewable Energy today at Council Bluffs. Um, and it's interesting because uh, this his visit comes just a day after uh, we saw the first court action taken against the E15 rule uh, yesterday in the DC appeals court, um, and so it's going to be kind of an interesting, uh, interesting juxtaposition of the two. And then also we have a lot of Democratic candidates for president in the next uh, next election. Uh, been spending a lot of time in Iowa here recently too, and so uh, I would say it's safe to say that we're uh, heading full full speed ahead on the next presidential campaign, and it's. Uh, putting ethanol right in the right in the center of it all. That's right. All of a sudden, you get all these uh, presidential candidates that they have this great interest in ethanol. We we see this about every election anymore. Every pre- presidential election, they come in, and you hope you get a message across to them about the importance of uh, renewable fuels. Uh, you never know if that carries over with them, but uh, at least they're there, and you get a chance to talk with them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and we saw it uh, with the election of Donald Trump. Uh, you know, he spent a significant amount of time in Iowa as well, and I, I remember one occasion he made a stop uh, talking to Iowa Renewable Fuels Association and, uh, you know, expressing his support for the RFS and all, and all those things that we that we look at, uh, you know, the kind of presidential election comes along, and, um, you know, here we are going on four years since that, uh, well, actually it is about four years since, since that visit to Iowa, and... Uh, you know, here we are. We're we're still at the center of it with ethanol, and um, you know, I really think that um, you know Trump probably did a good thing in getting that rule out, the E15 rule out in time. Um, you know, as we've talked about, there's a lot of a lot of real issues uh, still with small refinery exemptions and all those things uh, that this administration uh, is really kind of rubbing agriculture wrong with. But um, I think, by and large, you could say that. Um, for the most part, this uh, this president's been pretty supportive of ethanol. Yeah, they will make it. It's an occasion to really, uh, you know, promote the the new E15 rule. And here's what the administration has done for the ethanol industry. But as you said, with that waiver issue is still out there, and he, yeah. they probably won't talk too much about that. But that's a question that the biofuel industry leaders are certainly going to keep pressing. The administration. I understand EPA Administrator Andrew Wheeler is going to be there too, so maybe a chance to address that issue. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and I think Wheeler obviously knows where the industry stands. Uh, it's, you know, the industries are very vocal about it. Um, but at this point, as far as we can tell, uh, the agency is really sticking to its guns on what it says courts have told them on that particular issue. Um, I don't know honestly if it's something that. EPA can actually change course on. Um, I suppose it's something that the you know the administration's reviewed pretty closely, and I'm I'm guessing that we're at you know the position we are on that. 
at this moment because of uh, all the legal issues involved. And you know that the industry leaders are going to point out, wait, you're using that court ruling as your reason for having to make those waivers, but yet you were granting those before that ruling came down. So I'm sure that's going to be pointed out. Now, you mentioned the legal action. We knew this was coming. Give us a little bit more information about uh, uh, what the Renewable Fuels Association is doing here and uh, kind of set up this legal battle for us here. Well, we, what little we've seen, you know, the petition itself that was filed yesterday in the D.C. Court of Appeals, um, it's, it's just a general petition, so it includes a copy of the rule itself and then just like a couple legal documents, uh, nothing in particular known legal, you know, legal arguments made or anything like that. But we do know um, RFA, the Renewable Fuel Association, yesterday put out a news release, kind of a, a statement in response, and uh, they've already inter- indicated that they're going to intervene in that case. Um, and so then also, I guess it was later yesterday, uh, Chet Thompson, who's with the, and I, I can't think of the name of the group, He's one, it's the group filing this, this challenge, um, he said he was quite confident that, that they are going to prevail in this case and that EPA had no uh, no authority to, to do what they did on E15. And so that's kind of where it stands now. We're probably waiting to see if there are any other legal briefs filed, you know, where actual legal arguments are made. Um, but by and large, this is the start of what's probably going to be a year, two-year, three-year uh, legal battle. And one other note uh, we should point out, uh, of course, so much news about the U.S.-Mexico deal and avoiding the tariffs. Uh, and the president talking about that Mexico would be buying so many more you know, of our ag products. But we learn now that the, the deal does not include any promise for Mexico to import more ag commodities, which – you know, I, I didn't quite buy it anyway when he made that statement because I thought, well, if they're going to all of a sudden just ramp up more purchases, why did we need uh, USMCA if we could, you know, <laughs> you know, so this this I don't think this is a big surprise that Mexico is now saying they're not they're not uh, obligated right. to buy a lot more because of this deal. Well, and, and you know, I, I think the president's really, uh, you know, he's taken a lot of heat on a lot of these trade issues from agriculture. Um, a lot of concern about what what he's been doing with China and Mexico, and I think um, I think what we're seeing is anytime Trump can uh, can say something that might be remotely positive for uh, for ag exports from the United States, I think he's going to say it. Uh, but you're right, um, the fact that we're still waiting on the USMCA to be approved and all that, it, w- it would suggest that uh, there never was any kind of an ag you know ag angle to this. Uh, to this agreement with Mexico, and I think now we make, that's pretty obvious. So, so you're headed to Council Bluffs today? I am, yeah. President speaks at 3.15 here local time, and uh, we'll have a story this evening sometime. I tell you what, I'll just invite you now. You, you want to join us again tomorrow and, and give us a report on how it goes? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we'll check I'll back in there. with you at this time. Okay, we'll check back in with you tomorrow at this time, and you can give us a report on uh, what you hear today and what uh, some of the reaction response, the kind of things you're hearing uh, uh, behind the scenes as well, okay? Yeah, I'd be glad to. And we'll look for your story tonight on DTN. Thanks a lot, Todd. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Yeah, thank you, Mike. All right, DTN reporter Todd Neely, he'll be covering the president's visit to Iowa today. Up next, we'll talk with the National Pork Producers Council about an important EPA rule next on AOA. Soybean growers are going all in on Ingenia herbicide. Now BASF is going all in on Ingenia growers. We're so confident in the performance of this solution, we're now backing it with the Ingenia herbicide weed control guarantee so you can have true peace of mind. And you can tap into our expanded Grow Smart Rewards program and get cash back. Go all in today at IngeniaHerbicide.com. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. So we just talked with Nick Giordano with the National Pork Producers Council. Obviously, they are ecstatic that the uh, metal tariffs on Canada and Mexico have been lifted. We can talk about that as well with Colin Woodall for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Colin, this was looked at as a, a must-have to get USMCA moving forward, and I know you at NCBA are happy to have uh, those tariffs lifted. 
we're extremely happy to see these tariffs lifted. Now, we're in a little bit different shape from our friends in the pork industry because they were really getting hammered with the tariffs. But we were also, though, however, really pushing to try to get these tariffs taken down because we knew if we wanted to have a chance of getting a vote on USMCA, the tariffs were going to have to be a part of this deal. So the fact that this is done uh, earlier is, I think, going to be overall very beneficial to uh, the process of getting a vote and finally passing USMCA and putting this chapter behind us. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Hi, I'm George Foreman. Do you have an idea for a new product or invention? People ask me all the time, George, how do I get my idea in front of companies? How do I get a patent? What do I do next? Do you have the same questions? I'll tell you like I'll tell them all. Call my friends at InventHelp. To get your free inventor's information, call 1-800-352-0432. That's 1-800-352-0432. I believe every inventor deserves the opportunity to step into the ring and take their best shot. Put InventHelp in your corner. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private health care is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready, and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Soybean growers are going all in on Ingenia herbicide. Now BASF is going all in on Ingenia growers. We're so confident in the performance of this solution, we're now backing it with the Ingenia herbicide weed control guarantee so you can have true peace of mind. And you can tap into our expanded Grow Smart Rewards program and get cash back. Go all in today at IngeniaHerbicide.com. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, weather and planting and lack of planting and flooding and trade news has certainly dominated things uh, for quite some time now. Some stories, there's some other stories going on, and one of those that uh, we want to mention and and give some coverage to that we haven't had a chance to talk about, the EPA rule and finalizing its rule exempting livestock farms from reporting state and two locals and state authorities uh, routine emissions from their farms. This is a significant uh, ruling. It's uh, the final piece in the implementation of the Farm Act, which passed Congress uh, last year and eliminated the uh, requirement for livestock farmers to estimate and report to the federal government emissions from their the natural breakdown of manure on their operations. So it's a significant ruling, and here to talk about it with us is Michael Formica. He is a, the Assistant Vice President of Domestic Affairs and Counsel for the National Pork Producers Council. Michael, thank you for joining us. Um, how significant do you consider this ruling to be for uh, livestock operations across the country? This is uh, this is something very, very significant, and thank, thank you for having me on this morning. Um, this, it's It's the near final piece of a fight that we've been having in agriculture going back about 20 years. Uh, this is a battle that started uh, in the in the, Clinton, the end of the Clinton administration 
actually at EPA has been working on um, this effort to, to ascertain what emissions are coming from farms. And at the same time, uh, we've had all these activist groups out there that saw this as an opportunity to tangle farmers up in red tape and, you know, and bureaucratic nonsense and then turn around and sue individual farmers and, and build a database to launch larger attacks against agriculture. Okay, so, so uh, explain Trump to us. The Exp- has taken this, this, this action, and they've relieved us of a lot of that burden. Okay, Michael, if you would explain, because someone might just look at this headline, and, and if they don't have the background to it, they might say, wait a minute, how, so the livestock industry is getting off scot-free uh, you know, without regulation restriction. They don't have to report their emissions from these manure uh, pits and things like that. Uh, so that's that's probably misleading. Explain what it really means and what livestock producers still have to do in that regard. Sure, sure. And livestock producers have to comply, and they do comply, with the Clean Air Act and the Clean Water Act. You have to protect your air. You have to protect your water. You have to protect the, the land, your, their farmers, so they're, you know, they've got a, a vested interest in, in maintaining a, a healthy grounds and healthy soils. They're, they're good neighbors. They live in these communities. What the activists were doing here was trying to misuse the law. These these laws that they were targeting uh, had nothing to do with routine reports, and these are just routine emissions. Uh, they they took one statute that was passed after Exxon Valdez, uh, which was an oil tanker that crashed into the the side of Alaska um, and, and unleashed a bunch of oil in the water, and then another statute which was passed in response to a, um, a chemical plant explosion in India, which killed thousands of people. Uh, and, and in both of those instances, there was a realization that there is no, um, there's no 911 system, if, if you would call it that, to report quickly when a major disaster happens. And so we need, if, there's a, if there is a legitimate disaster, to be able to pick up the phone and say, hey, this explosion just happened, this, this chemical plant just blew up you need to go and respond to it and these are and that's the important part of these laws these are the harmful toxic chemicals you may be running into when you're there um that's not the case with agriculture and what what these activist groups did said they said oh well we have these releases happening sort of natural natural odors that you would have at at a farm anyway we'll try and force these reports on the farmers and you know and the bush administration tried to relieve us of this obligation the obama administration tried to relieve us of this obligation they didn't they didn't want to deal with this the first responders the the local emergency management folks the the folks who would happen to to receive these reports they didn't want them because they're in they're in the business they're set up to respond to legitimate emergencies so in other words, in. in other words, um, those that were trying to use this rule were basically trying to shut down livestock operations or make it very burdensome by applying rules that weren't intended to be applied for livestock operations. Yeah. Well, yes, I, and I think you, I think you had it right initially. They were trying to shut down livestock operations. This was this was one more effort by the by the same you know by the same groups that are constantly attacking livestock operations to try and shut down livestock operations to make it more difficult. But they also wanted to do something different with this. They wanted to create a database. If you if you had a if you had this one stop shop, so all the emission reports go to the Coast Guard and that's where that's where initially you would have to send these things to the Coast Guard. I am not sure where you are Mike, but most of my producers are in you know in Iowa, Illinois, Minnesota, um, Nebraska Missouri, not a not a whole lot of Coast Guard activity there, but you have to make these reports to a Coast Guard office in Maine. Um, if you all those reports go to that one one location, they can then extrapolate how much ammonia uh, they'd be they'd be targeting the ammonia level there, and then extrapolate nationwide what the uh, what the level of nitrogen being applied to. And this was going to be part of their larger larger ongoing attack on the use of, uh, of uh, commercial fertilizers and the use of nitrogen uh, as a fertilizer in farm production. So that's why this was such a significant rule. And I know that the, the industry, the pork industry, 
through programs like the Poor Quality Assurance Plus program, uh, you work with producers to have them uh, work with the local first responders, right, and keep those lines of communication yeah. open so you have that good relationship in case there is a, an issue or a problem. And we, yes, that, that, that's correct. We've been doing a lot of work with the with the, the first responder community. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, they did not want to receive this information. Um, when they found out that it was all going to be coming in, they were the first ones to raise their hand and run to Congress and ask for, for some relief. And Congress stepped up and provided it, which uh, EPA has now taken that step to implement it. Um, through you know, through these discussions, we've had a, a number of meetings with them. They you know they want lines of communication. They they don't they don't want to be overwhelmed with the reports that are worthless reports coming in. But they want to know. You know who are the farmers in their community? Where you know where are the livestock farms in their community? Uh, in most cases, um, you know, in, the, in a rural community, uh, you know who's on the local fire department. Uh, oftentimes, uh, you know, it, you know it, it's going to be uh, it's going to be our members. It's going to be pork producers. It's going to be cattle ranchers. It's going to be uh, you know row crop uh, farmers. Those are you know those same people who live in the community are going to be the ones. Who are volunteering with the local fire department, um, and so they they just want they they ask for us to to try and develop some formalized system where we could have lines of communication open. So, you know, if you've got a if you've got a hog operation, you pick up the phone and you call the you call the local fire department, you call the county fire department, and introduce yourself. Um, talk to the you know talk to the fire chief and say, hey, what are you concerned about? Um, can I invite you out to my farm? Can I show you around? Most producers are, are proud of the operations that they have. Um, and, you know, in most cases, I think, you know, fire department knows where the farm's going to be. But they're all the same people. They've probably been out there already. They've had a, you know, they've had a cookout there or something. And so they just wanted, they wanted us to make sure we had some formalized system to, you know, to ensure that these communications are happening. So with this final rule, is this done now, or is there still more that needs to be done on it? Uh, there, so there are two other things we're we're looking at. We ex, we expect the the actress groups, the humane societies of the world, uh, are going to file a lawsuit over it, and so we're going to prepare for litigation if if that does happen. And then um, I had mentioned this all started back in the Clinton administration. They're continuing to. Uh, to study uh, admissions and, and admissions from farms generally, and I know that that effort, the scientific research part of it, is you know is nearing an end, and we expect we expect some sort of report to come out of EPA either late this year or uh, early next year. Yeah, so uh, I guess this is a big step towards it being done, but. Issues like this are never completely done. It's an ongoing situation, but this was an important step for sure. Michael, thank you for being with us. Thank you. Have a good day. All right. All right. Michael Formica, he is the uh, Assistant Vice President, Domestic Affairs and Council for the National Pork Producers Council. Up next, we talk markets. We have the planting numbers, crop condition numbers, lots to talk about with Rich Morrison with Diversified Services next on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Hi, I'm Greg Peterson of the Peterson Farm Brothers. If you've seen our videos, you know we're proud to be farmers. Farming can be dangerous. Never assume location or depth of underground utilities or pipelines. Before you start any work on your farm, call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com to have underground lines located. It only takes a minute and can save your life. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. Want to reduce your risk of heart disease, diabetes, and stroke? Simple. Eat right. This is registered dietitian nutritionist Melissa Dobbins. A healthy diet can mean a healthier you. So eat a variety of proteins each week. Seafood, lean meat, poultry, beans, and nuts. 
Fill half your plate with fruits and vegetables at every meal. Choose foods that are lower in calories, fat, and sodium. Limit your alcohol and maintain a healthy weight. Let a registered dietitian nutritionist help you achieve your goals. Find one near you at eatright.org. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. For the grain and oil seed sector, we are trending lower on this Tuesday session. Attention said to be turning to a possible meeting of President Trump and Chinese leader Xi Jinping at a summit in Japan later on this month as the possible next step in the trade standoff between the two countries. The Chinese government would not confirm Tuesday that such a meeting will take place. Cattle markets bouncing for a second day in a row. Some traders are optimistic if the corn data in today's WASDE report from USDA stays conservative with its estimates as to how much corn has been lost due to the adverse weather of the past month. Several days of drier weather allowing some producers into the fields as of Sunday, corn planting reaching 83% complete at still 16 points behind the five-year average. Corn futures an hour into Tuesday's trade. July down four and three quarters at four eleven. December down a nickel at four twenty nine and a half. July soybeans down six at eight fifty two and a half. November eight seventy nine and three quarters down six cents. Chicago wheat July near unchanged down a quarter of a cent at five oh seven and a quarter. Kansas City July down seven and a quarter at four forty five and three quarters. Minneapolis spring wheat nearby July down three and a quarter. 565 and a quarter cent. Livestock at the Merck in live cattle futures. June 80 cents higher at 110.50. August feeder cattle up 25 at 140.07 per hundred weight. Lean hog futures July down 40 cents at 85.80. On Wall Street, the Dow up 101 points. The S&P up 13. July crude oil in New York up 28 cents. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, so as of this past weekend, 83% of the corn crop planted, 60% of the bean crop planted. We'll talk about that now with Rich Morrison, Senior Risk Analyst for Diversified Services Marketing Group. Rich, thanks for joining us here on AOA. Are we focused more on what's been planted or what's not planted? Well, I think most of us are focused more on what's not been planted, but uh, I'm not sure what the trade is looking at here this morning. Yeah, how do you, what do you make of market reaction uh, considering where we are here June 11th and the situation we're still dealing with and the unplanted acres and the uncertainty of some of the planted acres. Why has there not been a stronger market reaction? Uh, I think here this morning it's uh, more of an evening up uh, ahead of the USDA report here uh, at 11 a.m. I think the funds, I I think that was probably the biggest thing that we came back over the weekend with the commitment to trade this report on Friday showed these uh, managed funds long, over 100,000 contracts of corn and so I think we've seen uh, a lot of that getting sold over the last couple of days uh, in advance of this WASA report at 11 a.m. today. So I, I don't think it has much to do with the uh, progress numbers yesterday. I think it's more of just uh, risk off here ahead of USDA's report today. It would not be a shock for me to see 
here before the week's out to, to go back and trading these unplanted acres and and putting a little bit of risk premium back in the market. What so what what do you see is how do you see this corn market working through the summer then? Well, I, I told a few folks the last few days. I, I think that the, the planting rally, if you want to call it that, is kind of exhausted itself. Uh, we, we had the funds coming in so short this market that that they've done an extreme amount of buying over the last three to four weeks, and so that that's been the planting rally. And I, I don't think we know the exact number of corn acres that are going to be planted, but we're getting close. Uh, you know, we've only got a few potential days left, and uh, so that, that that rally is kind of coming to an end. And I think the next one's going to be based on yield. And do we have adverse conditions for the for the crop uh, going forward? Certainly, uh, the forecast that we're looking at for the month of June aren't ideal as far as uh, growing degree days. Uh, it looks like we're going to be a little bit on the light side, and we're really setting ourselves up for a, uh, a slow growing season. And, and we're also setting ourselves up for having a lot of uh, a lot of corn uh, uh, reaching maturity during the heat of the summer. And so, uh, I wouldn't uh, necessarily rule out the potential of a weather market yet. And I, I think that's the next potential. Then is is based on yield threats and uh, not so much on acres at this point. We're talking with Rich Morrison with Diversified Services. Rich, what are you hearing on Prevent Plant Acres? Well, we're getting a lot of folks. Uh, the state of South Dakota uh, it has, uh, because we'd already reached the, uh, the final plant date back on May the 25th, uh, a lot of talk up there about 50, 60 percent in some areas of the corn intended acres going to prevent plants. Uh, as you work further east, uh, I know in Indiana, Ohio, a lot of acres uh, possibly work in that direction. But I, I think guys are trying to mud some in here ahead of this next round of rain. And so but those seem to be the three states that we're hearing the most out of. Probably some in Illinois, of course, uh, especially around the rivers. Uh, and a little bit in Wisconsin being discussed as well. But those seem to be the areas. And I couldn't pinpoint a number yet, but, uh, but it seems like uh, much, much more discussion than what we've ever seen in the last uh, what, 30 years that I've been in this business. Now, Secretary Purdue announced yesterday that farmers will not receive payments for acres they weren't able to plant, but they are looking for some other ways to uh, maybe provide some aid. USDA exploring legal flexibilities, they say, to provide a minimal per acre market facilitation payment to those who filed prevent plant and chose to plant an an eligible cover crop with the potential to be harvested and for subsequent use of those cover crops for forage and purdue went on to say referring to the uh, trade aid package that um, we may get some details on it uh, in the coming weeks well we would guess so in the coming weeks will be into july when we think it's going to start up so uh, what do you make of that as far as what they're trying to do uh, on these prevent plant acres? Well, I think they've gotten a, a lot of pushback, certainly from the farm community, uh, that, that folks were going to be forced into making bad decisions if you wanted to participate in these payments. Uh, you were going to have to try to mud something in or whatever the case is. And I, I think the USDA is trying to, trying to keep the program such that folks don't make decisions that they wouldn't ordinarily make. And so if it makes the most sense from the land standpoint to uh, uh, to leave that as prevent plant this year, they're trying to at least allow folks to participate. And so when you look at the list of crops eligible, uh, the two that stick out to me are alfalfa, hay, and barley. And so you can kind of kind of piece it together that, that they may make it such that if a producer takes prevent plant and then decides to go plant barley or plant wheat or plant alfalfa hay on that, that basically that ground, uh, technically that is a crop that would make them eligible for an MSP payment, and therefore then the government could go ahead and, and provide some money. So uh, I, I really, we're, we're all reading between the lines on this, but that's kind of what I make of it when you look at the list of commodities that or oats. Uh, that there are some crops here that uh, that could make the person eligible uh, for at least some MSP payment. Rich, we've focused a lot on corn. What do you see? What's your scenario, your outlook for the soybean market? You know, the soybean market, uh, we, we're swimming in beans in the United States and in the world. Uh, that's, not a, uh, that's not a mystery. I mean, we've known that for a while. 
uh, carry outs are, we're, you know, we're looking at a record stock number in the United States. We're looking at a record South American stock number. And at a time where Chinese demand is dropping because of the, uh, of the African flying flu. So not a lot positive there. That said, uh, you know, we've still got almost 34 million unplanted soybean acres in the United States. And uh, if some of these forecasts are true for the next two weeks, uh, you know, we could run into a pretty, pretty good wall of, of moisture over that period. And all of a sudden, you know, you're talking about, you know, double digits uh, of million bean acres that don't get planted as well. So there could be some potential upside to this market. Uh, I'm not sure that we need a tremendous amount of upside, but certainly there's probably not a lot of risk premium built into the bean market right now. And and uh, therefore, if, if, you know, if we're looking at 10 plus million unplanted bean acres, it probably, uh, we could probably push uh, this market a little bit higher. Yeah, because the focus had been, or the question had been, how many corn acres would switch to beans? But some of those acres and we're not sure exactly how many, but some of those acres that couldn't be planted to corn can't be planted to beans either this year. <laughs> not not at this point. Uh, you know, I think most of the folks that are that were intending to plant corn are still trying to get a little bit of corn planted. And uh, But if, you know, if the forecast holds true over the next five days, uh, you know, like you were saying, you're not going to be able to plant anything on some of this ground, at least until, until we dry back up again. So, uh, yeah, I would I would say that down the road we could be looking at you know be talking more about bean prevented planting here within the next uh, ten days or so. Yesterday uh, was actually the uh, the final plant date uh, in some of the upper Midwest states on soybeans, so producers in those areas actually could file for prevent plant right now. So let's look at the trade the export headwinds we face here. We know the uncertainty with trade deals. Still need to get USMCA passed. We're waiting to see what happens with China and what happens with Japan. But meanwhile, in the marketplace today, we got a lot of competition and uh, hard for us to compete price-wise with some of that competition. You know, it really is. Uh, it was a little bit sobering last week when we heard that uh, Brazilian corn uh, was trading into the United States southeast. Uh, that's, uh, you know, kind of disheartening, I guess, if you're a corn farmer in the Midwest and you're hoping for a big rally in corn and then you hear that, uh, that we're priced too high to, to be able to rail that corn into the Carolinas. So uh, this morning, uh, Conab uh, jumped their uh, Brazilian corn crop estimate, uh, 1.8 million tons, so uh, new record high. And so, yeah, there's a lot of, lot of corn available uh, from Argentina, from Brazil, a lot of soybeans available from the southern hemisphere right now, so we've uh, that you know that'll be something that just keeps a lid on this thing going forward. That you know, even though we've uh, got some uncertainty on production in the United States, we do have a lot of available supplies elsewhere in the world. Rich, what are you focused on with the WASDE report? Well, I think most of us are all watching to see what they put out for next year uh, for the 1920 uh, stocks numbers. Do they make any adjustments to the uh, acreage uh, here for this year? Do they make any adjustments to yields yet? And predominantly corn. Uh, I think that's the crop that uh, most folks are looking at. Personally, I hope they don't. I would rather they wait until after the June uh, 28th acreage report comes out with the updated acres and then maybe make those adjustments in July. But... Uh, I think it could be a little bit confusing if they try to make partial adjustments in this report today, but that's, uh, those are the numbers that folks are going to be looking at. And so uh, we'll see what they come up with. And, uh, and, and, of course, they're just early, early, early estimates. And uh, regardless, uh, we'll see how they change down the road. Yeah, there's such so much uncertainty. You know, even the crop condition, weekly crop condition uh, uh, numbers we get, I mean, we should we should mention that's based on what's up, right? So that limits it somewhat, right, right there. Yeah, when you uh, when your uh, corn has emerged is uh, only you know less than two thirds of the U.S. corn crop is even out of the ground. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. hard to put a uh, put a condition rating on it. So yeah. Wow. So I have a feeling we're gonna have a lot to talk about through this summer. That's for sure. Uh, Always do, but more so this year than any other year. What a year it is. Rich, thank you very much for your perspective. We'll talk again soon, okay? All right. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Rich. Rich Morrison, Senior Risk Analyst for Diversified Services Marketing Group. Up next, we are going to talk with OFW Law Attorney Gary Bays about that recent Waters of the U.S. ruling, why it is so significant, and where does it lead us to or give us the chance of getting that new rule done. We'll talk about that next here on AOA. Stay with us. 
Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. My mom's a breast cancer survivor. The United Breast Cancer Foundation saved her life. Their free breast cancer exam caught the cancer early, and it saved her life. But now the foundation needs your help so they can continue offering free or low-cost breast screening exams, saving more women's lives. Help them by donating your car, whether it's running or not. They'll provide fast, free 24-hour pickup, and you receive a charitable tax deduction, plus the great feeling you'll get knowing your donated car is going to help save more lives. Just call 800-745-3327 to set the wheels in motion. They take cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs running or not. Call 800-745-3327. The United Breast Cancer Foundation needs your help, and your donation could literally save women's lives, helping them catch breast cancer early like they did with my mom. Donate today, 800-745-3327, 800-745-3327. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110 and I had a stroke and I'm 33 so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it or talk with your doctor to create an exercise diet and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell Brought to you by the American Heart Association American Medical Association and the Ad Council You're going to need me You're going to need us. All of us. You're going to need our technical skills. Our math. Our engineering skills. You're going to need our help with your water. Your air. Your food. You're going to need our organizational skills. Our problem-solving skills. You're going to need our determination our honesty, our compassion. You're going to need the next generation of leaders to face the challenges the future will bring. And we promise we'll be there when you need us. Today, 4-H is growing the next generation of leaders. Support us at 4-H.org. Recently on Adams on Agriculture... Talking with Maggie Elowani with the National Rural Health Association. Maggie, you talked about the number of rural hospitals closing. Are we also seeing uh, mergers, takeovers uh, happening uh, within the uh, rural hospital system as well? We certainly are, and there's been an increase in mergers, and, and some of those have been very positive. They've helped some small rural providers with the cash flow they need to keep their doors open. Others, and this is really frustrating, have purchased some of these facilities only to close them a short time afterwards. So simply being bought out and merging with another facility doesn't mean that we're going to be able to ensure access to care in those rural communities. So we really need kind of a long-term strategy of really thinking about why these hospitals are closing and what we need to do to change them. And it's because there have been so many different cuts that have occurred to these hospitals. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. My mom's a breast cancer survivor. The United Breast Cancer Foundation saved her life. Their free breast cancer exam caught the cancer early, and it saved her life. But now the foundation needs your help so they can continue offering free or low-cost breast screening exams, saving more women's lives. Help them by donating your car, whether it's running or not. They'll provide fast, free 24-hour pickup, and you receive a charitable tax deduction, plus the great feeling you'll get knowing your donated car is going to help save more lives. Just call 800-745-3327 to set the wheels in motion. They take cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs running or not. Call 800-745-3327. 
The United Breast Cancer Foundation needs your help, and your donation could literally save women's lives, helping them catch breast cancer early like they did with my mom. Donate today, 800-745-3327, 800-745-3327. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. As we continue to follow the process of getting rid of the old waters of the U.S. rule from the Obama administration and getting a new one in place, we told you recently about a significant ruling by a Texas judge uh, really striking a blow against that 2015 rule. And here to talk about that is OFW law attorney Gary Bays. Gary, thanks for joining us. Why was that? Uh, kind of explain for us the significance of that ruling on the uh, on the WOTUS rule. Well, good morning, Mike, and all of our listeners. Uh, this was a terrific uh, victory for those of us in agriculture. The matter actually was brought to the court's attention by the Texas Attorney General and then National Pork Producers and virtually every farm group in the country, a uh, national one, jumped in on this case saying, me too. And what the Texas judge found was that the Obama administration tried to slip a fast one by agriculture and all landowners in this country. And the judge said, wait a minute, you didn't run uh, what was called a connectivity report by the public uh, to get an answer for it. So it actually went off on a very technical legal issue of the Administrative Procedures Act not being complied with. The judge did not get into the merits, but what the judge said is, hey, you've got to go back to the drawing board. Well, this administration and this president had already been saying during the campaign and during his presidency, we are going to get rid of this rule. They are attempting to do that now. So does this now really open the door to getting the proposed new rule in place? Uh, I would say it certainly helps uh, open the door. Uh, the the uh, Trump administration was already uh, enacting or attempting to enact uh, a new approach on waters of the United States. Uh, I've written about this several times in my column, Defending Agriculture, what defines a ditch or a wetland uh, or a lake or impoundment. Uh, the administration is trying to bring a lot more common sense to help out all of us in agriculture and ranching and timber. So the work was already underway. What this really was, Mike, was just uh, icing on the cake by saying, Obama administration, you tried to slip a fast one by me, and they got caught. Pure and simple. It was just another advantage uh, that the uh, bureaucracy has in trying to rule our lives and take away our property rights. This judge says you can't do that because you didn't follow proper procedure. The judge, as I said earlier, did not get into the merits of uh, the worthlessness of and the danger of the waters of the United States definition. Other court cases still pending. Uh, what should we be looking for next on this? Uh, the next uh, thing should be uh, when the final rule is put out, uh, uh, there will be uh, lots of court challenges, I'm sure, from uh, those who are opposed to property rights in this country. Uh, that's the real danger we're facing in agriculture because one of the things the Clean Water Act does, Mike, is protect agriculture. And I am obviously so old now. I was a young kid when we were writing the exemptions for agriculture because I said to the then administrator, Bill Ruckelshaus, first administrator, we in agriculture cannot have government bureaucrats permitting all of our discharges. You can't have a permit on every waterway uh, in the country. So there is a specific exemption for agricultural stormwater runoff. That's what all these court cases are about. The real danger for agriculture is up in, I think it's Wisconsin or Minnesota, the environmental groups are bringing actions under what's known as a public trust doctrine. That means the state's got to protect all the water. What these folks are saying is the states are not protecting the water because as of right now, uh, and I just saw a piece and I think it was U of I yesterday's uh, newsletter, uh, there's real concern about all this water washing a lot of our nitrates that were put in last fall and, and early this spring into the groundwater. 
that's in fact just this morning it was announced that uh, the uh, dead zone in the Gulf of Mexico is going to be a lot larger this year because of all the storms washing off our nitrates. That's the next thing we're going to have to worry about, and, and all the I states are all across the country is trying to constrict our ability to use crop inputs to grow our crops. Yeah, the weather, the flooding this spring has really brought that issue even more to the forefront, hasn't it? It has, and that's why we're going to have to go more to conservation till and no-till, because what that does when you put on cereal rye in the fall is that it is uh, environmentalists and all of us would say, those plants sequester the nitrogen that is in our soils. That's very important. In fact, in years of my lifetime, we will see probably almost a ban against moldboard plowing or even chiseling. I think chiseling may be uh, the next thing that goes away as moldboard plowing, Mike, is that we're going to have to protect the water quality, groundwater quality, because we found through testing of our farm tiles there around Jacksonville that by doing cover crops, we can reduce the nitrate loss. And this is money in our pocket, by the way. But we've cut that nitrate loss. I think it's 50 to 60 percent of the numbers. Before I let you go real quick, uh, we had the National Pork Producers Council on earlier talking about the significance of the EPA final rule so livestock uh, producers don't have to uh, report uh, routine emissions uh, from their operations. Uh, From your viewpoint, the significance of that rule? Very important for all concentrated animal feeding operations. What both the Superfund Act or CERCLA and then EPCRA, the Community Right to Know Act, were saying, if you discharge over 100 pounds of some pollutant, you've got to report that. Well, first off, we're talking about thousands of reports. And then secondly, these are continuing emissions from concentrated animal operations. What these two acts were designed to do is to go after, for those of our listeners old enough to remember this, the Bhopal kind of incidents where something blows up. Then the fire department and all of the uh, uh, safety people need to know what was going on there. Or otherwise, what you have uh, is a terrible tragedy, as we had down in uh, uh, the south here a couple of years ago when that uh, ammonium nitrate plant blew up, and it killed a bunch of folks, including members of that town. So we didn't need that particular regulation uh, going against our concentrated animal feeding operations, and this was a great move by the Trump administration. Gary, always good to talk with you. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Mike. Take care. OFW Law Attorney Gary Bays. All right, coming up tomorrow, we'll get a report on the president's visit to Iowa. We'll be talking more on the markets and more on USMCA. Lots going on. Hope you'll join us again tomorrow right here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Agriculture.